The date is Friday, August 19th, and you're listening to Entertain This, a thought-provoking podcast encapsulating all things entertainment. Today, we're throwing it back to hot summer days and cool shady spots. School was closed, and that only meant one thing to our adolescent minds. The world was ours to conquer. And by the world, I mean the cul-de-sac. Join us as we re-explore a series that is all about that little world we made our own, the colorful characters who live there, and the sweet treat called a jawbreaker. We are talking Ed, Ed, and Eddie. So, enjoy! Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to your favorite show on the internet, encapsulating all things entertainment. It's Entertain This. Entertain This! As oh, always, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Dang you, I did it again! <laughs> I forgot. You're just a wild card pattern. <laughs> I did, I... You added something. You can do it now. You can do it now. What, what, what? <laughs> Love it. Love the enthusiasm, yeah. the energy. I had a bit set up. That I was gonna do kind of like this, like NPR, like morning talk show, like college campus radio voice. But the much better bit is the fact that Pat doesn't know what an air horn sounds like. <laughs> That's fair. Give it, give it a go. Give it a real go. What's an air horn sound? Woot. <laughs> no, come on. What's, have you ever heard an air horn in your life? What's it sound like? It sounds like. Er, 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 er. No. That sounds like a uh, that sounds like a 1960s Volkswagen Beetle. Yeah. <laughs> I think before you went uh bump 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 maybe. But I don't even remember. <laughs> Michael, do you want to tell him what what does an air horn sound like? At a at a bare minimum, uh an air horn at the very least sounds like and then you can go even like that's pretty good yeah that's so that's that's kind of expectation for next week okay pat yeah practice it get back with us but enough bullying patrick because he was so nice as to prepare a topic for this week for us his first ever topic on the show so i'm gonna throw it over to the baby boy pat you gotta you gotta talk for us this week was i supposed to prepare a topic oh Oh shoot! Well, we've <laughs> Everyone's told that I mean, joke on here. Hundred, uh, hundred some episodes in. <laughs> okay. I think all right. Through that joke in the first three months. All right, all right, all right, all right. So yes, I, I did prepare a topic today, and that would be <clears throat> this awesome, awesome show that I watched as a kid. So, hey everybody, what I'm going to talk about is one of my top five cartoons of all time. This is an animated comedy television series created by Danny Antonucci for our Cartoon Network. It ran from 1999 to 2008 with six seasons, 69 episodes, and one movie. I'm excited to talk to you guys today about Ed, Ed, and Eddie. We gotta hype it up. I agree that one one of the best cartoons of all time. Yeah, for sure. sure. One of the most thought provoking cartoons of all time too, because the world has many holes. It boy, (laughs) that alone shakes me to my core still. That episode by itself was so creepy. Like the just the that they could cut holes in the fourth wall, breaking stuff that. Again, that's just like one of the many episodes that Ed, Ed, and Eddie had. 
And <clears throat> when you when you looked into Danny Inaducci, I don't know if you guys and how familiar you are with him. I'm sorry. a little familiar. We kind of look like a live action cast of Ed, Ed and Eddie. <laughs> <laughs> Do we? Am I? Am I? Please tell me I'm Eddie. I'm joking. <laughs> okay, let me try to distinctly remember which Eddie is which. Um, <laughs> Eddie so, is the short one with the uh, the short one with the four hairs. So there's, there's Ed, there's Eddie, Eddie and then there's there's Double D. Double. Yep. So yes. there's Ed, Eddie, and Double D. I think Patrick looks most. This is for our visual listeners out there, so you yeah. can get kind of an image in your head. I think Patrick looks most like um, Ed. Eddie. All right. Patrick is Eddie. Eddie. <laughs> Sorry. There you go. Patrick is Eddie. I'm personally going to take the reins of Double D. And I think that kind of rounds us out yeah. with Michael being uh, being Ed. <laughs> I'll take it. Arguably take the best it. character. The best Ed. The, <laughs> I, I do agree with that. He is strong, by the way. So that's what kills me is Ed is one of the strongest characters to pretty much ever exist. <laughs> In yeah. cartoons. Yeah, I could see him totally taking on uh, Goku. I bet you One Punch Man. Yeah. <laughs> he's 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 absolutely crazy. I would never want to mess with him. Just some of the things that he's done. So <clears throat> we'll get to, into it later. There's an episode where he pretty much goes around and sleepwalks and eats stuff. And like the amount of stuff that he eats is just crazy and all the other stuff. But anyways, kind of getting into uh, Danny Antonucci. So he is the creator of Ed and Eddie. So <clears throat> that being said, um, Danny Antonucci is also known uh, for uh, Lupo the Butcher and Cartoon Sushi, as well as um, I don't know if you guys have ever worked or heard. Uh, I think it's like Metal something. I'm trying to remember the name metal, of it. Uh, what, what's the anime? Mm. It was on Adult Swim, right? No, not that one. I don't think. No. Uh, no. I think Pure Metal Alchemist was what I was thinking, sorry. Oh, uh, I wish, man. That's that's cool. Um, I'll come to it later, but it's not a big deal right now. But again, he's he's got some pretty good credits behind his name. Um, so, Denny Antonucci is a Canadian uh, writer as well as director, producer. Uh, he's known for, again, the things that I mentioned. Um, he's a winner of a Leo in 2000 uh, for Ed and Eddie. Uh, for a glass of warm Ed, and for the viewers that don't know what episode that is, it's uh, following the gang as they go around the cul-de-sac and watch Ed, or Ed sleepwalk and eat everything within the cul-de-sac. I remember that uh, one. I do remember that one too. Yeah, <laughs> that is a crazy episode, and I rewatched it just to see which one it was, and I love it. Um, by the way, the 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 adult jokes still hold up <laughs> even today. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, any of the scenes with the Canker Sisters now have a whole new context. <laughs> Here, So, here's what I was going to talk about. Antonucci has worked for the Flintstones, worked on Scooby-Doo and Scrappy-Doo Show. He also worked for a feature movie called Heavy Metal. Heavy Metal. Yeah. Yeah, I know which one that is. So, um, I'll get into this a little bit more, but Antonucci's parents are originally from Italy. So, growing up, he had a little bit of different customs and understanding. So, the uh, person, the character Rolf, is kind of his homage to his his growing up, but he didn't want to do it as a, uh, Italian because I guess he had done something with Lupo the Butcher that had made a lot of Italians mad in the past. So he stayed away and then uh, made a little bit better with that being coming from Rolf. 
Um, <clears throat> but going from there, so just to go into about the show a little bit, uh, Danny's first pitch on the idea was to Nickelodeon, but they wanted creative control. So he brought the idea to, over to Cartoon Network, where the person he pitched um, actually grew up with people who were both the same name as her. So two other people with the same name. Uh, so she was instantly hooked on the uh, the idea, so he got a green light from there. Um, the show follows three middle school-aged friends with the same name as their uh, interaction, or the same uh, name as they follow through the neighborhood and the interactions that they do with their unsuccessful scams, um, and then uh, getting up to their hijinks as well. The styling is derived from a child's point of view. The backgrounds are more kind of like a boring block or blobs of color. Uh, the creator stated that he remembers um, not really looking too much into things as a child and just remember colors. So, before we get into the characters, which one is your, or who are your guys' favorite characters? Uh, I always enjoyed um, Plank and his owner, whose name is now <laughs> escaping me. What was his name? Oh, gosh. Um, I must see it even... wasn't Jimmy. Um, nope. Not Kevin. Not <laughs> Kevin. What was this guy's name? Do you know, Pat? Uh... It's Johnny 2 by 4 Johnny. <laughs> it was Johnny. Yeah, Johnny and Plank. I always liked them because they were always the ones who were like, the most laid back and chill. Like, they were the ones who never got... I say they, like, Plank was a real character. I guess to an extent he kind of <laughs> he was. He actually was like, a real... He had a character sheet. They literally gave him a character sheet because Antonucci didn't want people putting, like... Uh, they didn't want people putting, like, different smiley faces or different faces on his character. Yeah, he so it face. <laughs> Yeah. He had to be on model at all times. Exactly. But, um, but in all of... You know, the classic formula of Ed, Ed, and Eddie where they come up with a scheme and they try to make money so that they can buy jawbreakers. That's the, obviously the plot. But yeah. um, in all of those, all of the neighborhood kids got super pissy or would be like assholes when they realized that they got tricked. But Johnny was always just like, I had a good time today. <laughs> just skipped on home, the little weirdo. Oh, my gosh. So that's that. that see, that I watched uh, one of the episodes recently, and, and you were talking about Johnny and how he kind of just has a lackluster nature. The Christmas episode, which is one of my favorite episodes, and we'll get into that a little bit later. Um, he literally goes in, villainizes Eddie's trying to scam him, and then kicks him down this like five mile long sled of ice. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, where does this even come from? That's and he, like, and the fact that his this house was literally all ice inside of it, so that's yeah. <laughs> crazy. But so the characters of the show are, of course, the Ed boys, Ed, Ed Double D, and Eddie, uh, Johnny Two by Four, and Plank. Can't forget him. Naz, Rolf, Jimmy, Sarah, Kevin's, or Kevin, you dorks. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Mate. He, was, he was the the douche canoe who always rode his bike around. Yeah, and it looked like he like he rode it like a Harley or rode it like yeah. a Harley, and it would go. Because he had a <laughs> baseball card in it, right? Yeah. Well, no, I don't think it was a baseball card. It was more just like the animation of him like taking off or like him spinning his tires and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. But the uh, last characters in the show are May, Lee, and Marie Kanker. The Kanker sister sisters. sisters. Yeah. I have this. Uh, I have this really weird memory of 
Ed and Nettie being trapped in what was essentially um, feet restraints and their socks were taken off. And yep. then the Kanker yep. sisters like played footsie with their bare feet. As a kid, I was just like... <laughs> <laughs> it's this show... I'm telling you, it's it's hilarious, but it's like, it's almost like Ren and Stimpy level of like oh, yeah. <laughs> some of the things. Oh, I mean, like one one of the scenes that still sticks out to me is like when they get trapped into in their trailer uh, at the trailer park, and uh, I don't remember which one it was. It was the blonde one who had the crush on Ed, just like sneaks up behind him and pulls him into the closet. It's May. Gives him a big old holy schmoly nine thousand. Holy schmoly nine thousand. What? Yeah. <laughs> that's that's what Ed uh like says as soon as she pulls him in. You hear like kissing noises, and you hear Ed just go holy schmoly. <laughs> and the holy schmoly nine thousand. Sweetie swag. What's in the bag? Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> the, so the first episode that ever aired, uh, season one, episode one. Um, the first they like dress Ed up to look cool, and oh, yeah. one of the things swiggity swag, what's in the bag? And I today yep. say this all the time. So wiggity swag, what's in the bag? <laughs> I love that guy so. Oh, he's, he really is the best character in the show. If we're being he honest, is. yeah, he carries the show. Agreed. Literally, <laughs> boy. He's a strong boy. Um, so this um, show was actually one of the last shows to be hand-drawn on Cartoon Network. Like cel-shaded, right? Yeah. It's uh, it's crazy, man. But uh, just to bring up the cast list here. So Eddie is uh, voiced by Tony Simpson, uh, most known for his roles in uh, Ed, and Eddie. Matt Hill is most known for, again, Ed, Ed, and Eddie. Sam Vince, who plays Double D, however has a list of credits, my guys. Yeah, <laughs> so Ninjago, uh, he was in Ninjago, Crypto the Super Dog, Baby Looney Tunes, Tom and Jerry Tales, and the list, oh, yeah. if you go to his IMDB, is crazy. He, he was like one of those people that was a voice behind all of like our favorite shows when we were kids. Ah, uh, yeah, so it's, it's crazy, but... Knowing that these guys are all Canadian, I mean, again, uh, Ananucci is also Canadian, so it's kind of it's kind of funny just to see how much they had voiced. <clears throat> so that being uh, going, kind of continue from here. Um, so we talked about the cast a little bit. Do you guys have any takes on like the characters themselves and like the developments, or do you have like, any questions? Do you think that uh, that they like where they came from in the way of characters? Um, I think for me, like, one of the best things that the show does is it is so clear in who, like, the personality of each of these characters. Um, and it's, it, it abides by the, uh, the classic formula of no matter, for, like, a long-running kids cartoon, no matter what actually happens in the show and what character growth the characters experience at the end of it all they're still the exact same character that you knew from the very beginning yeah um, it's like you can always no matter what episode you're watching you don't have to watch it in order you know that uh eddie is gonna be the little scumbag that he is you know that uh ed is gonna be the big dumb idiot and double d is gonna be the the, the nerdy straight man of the group 
Yeah, I think one of the other really cool things that this um, show does is it takes the time to really establish the relationships between the characters to where you kind of have an in with every episode that you watch. Like, for example, Sarah is uh, Ed's little sister, right? And yeah. Sarah and um, Jimmy. Jimmy are best friends. There's a little bit of a romance there, right? Um, I think it was more it was more protective relationship like that's her baby brother almost yes something like that Um, and then you had like uh, Sarah and Kevin had this sort of on again off again thing but all of them had a crush on Sarah or not Sarah Naz with every time I just said Sarah except for when I was talking about uh, (laughs) Jimmy. Jimmy but like there's this whole dichotomy and like society of these kids in this cul-de-sac and because there are so many stories between them like this whole show happens in a in a cul-de-sac like if yeah. you if you live in suburbia you know kind of what it feels like to have friends who live in a cul-de-sac and it's not that big but the show makes it seem so big like the cul-de-sac is this giant place yeah, that's one of the things you pointed out, Patrick, early on. It's like, this show is from the perspective of kids. Yep. And it does such a good job of portraying that. Yeah. And I, I like that just because um, he did a good job. I would say Danny Inaducci did a really good job of doing that and making sure to portray. And that's why I felt, I guess, as a kid, more like the, the that we're just one of the gang that we're just like watching them do their their crazy stuff every day like almost to the point where i'm like well maybe i want to run a scan so i can get some jawbreakers bro yeah, those jawbreakers those jawbreakers so, had so no purpose being those like looking that good <laughs> <laughs> the giant ones that like the only other ones i had seen before that were like the ones that were the size of like a quarter or something yeah but then it's like you see that and it's like there's no way those actually exist. Turns out go to go to like a local candy store, like an old fashioned one. They make them they big, got, but yeah, they don't make them the size of your head big. <laughs> well, but that's the thing, though, is I feel like if we're talking about this written from the perspective of kids, like when if you're a little kid, it feels like it's that big in your mouth. You know that what? Could, well, you can't fit it in so your mouth. So out of context. That's that's the that's the like <laughs> big part is that in Ed, Ed and Eddie, their like whole side of their face would stretch oh, yeah. out, and like the ear would be like way over here. They just have the giant. Yeah, so like it looked like something you wanted, and you watched Ed, Ed and Eddie try to get it so many times that you were like, I want that too. <laughs> it's it's see that's crazy. But the thing, uh, as Alex was talking about, how the scenes like take place in different places, like the there was a river episode. I don't know if you guys remember that, where like they're going down a creek and they have this like uh, slap together river barge kind of thing where they're taking people on a cruise. And Ed's uh, no Double D sitting there playing. I don't. I think it's called the Steel something. Um, but it's 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 kind of a funny episode, but it feels like the the block just or the cul-de-sac goes on forever and ever. Yeah. Well, hey, use cartoon logic all you can. Make that <laughs> make that shit feel like it's it's like a million miles long, like it's the size of Ohio. Why not? <laughs> but uh, it is a great great show. But I kind of just go from here. Uh, talking about let's get first uh, Alex's take on this show. Just as a whole. Just on a whole, what you, like your thoughts, favorite episode, kind of stuff from, like around that. Yeah, I mean, 
I absolutely love this show. I mean, as a kid, it was almost inspirational, weirdly, as to like um, how creative I could be. And their schemes always involved these like crazy things that Double D would invent uh, as like different sort of, you know, quote unquote scams. But most of the time they were just like cool things that like you paid a quarter to experience. Um, I, I always love this show. It's kind of hard to nail down a favorite episode, but I think one of my favorites is there's an episode where Ralph is feeling homesick, right? So mm -hmm. the big scheme is just to convince Ralph that he's back at home. And like, yeah. <laughs> that's such a good episode. I don't think it leads to a jawbreaker. Maybe Ralph has a bunch of jawbreakers and he they're trying to convince him to share them or something. But um, that's one of my favorite episodes for sure because that puts that kind of creative spin that they have to like the max as they're trying to build this entire world for this one guy. See, I I don't I can't remember, but I think that was not like done out of a selfish cause. I think they were trying to get him maybe like to pay like to give them money to eventually get a jawbreaker. That might have been, but I think that one was and might not have been not as selfish. Yeah, every once in a while they throw one of those at you. Yeah. But then Eddie's always crazy and, again, comes to the point where they never learn, or he doesn't learn. Double right. D and Ed are perfect. Like, I feel like if you didn't add Eddie into this, that Double D and Ed would be involved with everybody very, like... Well, I think one of the things that's that I really like about Eddie's character is that, and we might talk about this later on, but is the like overhanging dichotomy that he has with like the concept of his brother and oh, who his yeah. brother is. And that's one of those things that we see so many times throughout the episodes. It's like, Oh yeah, my big bro is this cool is the coolest guy ever. And he is like, got all this stuff and he, and it's like, the more you learn about his big brothers, like his big brother's just like a, he's a, a loser. Jer he's <laughs> a jerk. His big brother eventually does come back in an episode yep. yeah. and it's like nuts. Yeah, because isn't he off at, like, college or something? Yeah, I think he goes to college and he comes back. Um, but the big, like, weird Ed, Ed, Eddie fact is that, like, when his brother left for college, he, like, wallpapered over the door to his room or something and, like, yep. locked the door to his room and he was never supposed to go in the room and then they find the, like, wallpaper and they, like, go in the room and it's, like, this weird... It kind of had that feel of like finding a mummy's tomb. Like it was yeah. this like uncovering something secret that you weren't supposed to know about. And it kind of painted Eddie's brother as this like mystery that when you finally do meet him, you're like hugely disappointed to find out that he's just a bigger version of Eddie. <laughs> a bigger version and a big jerk. I mean, like, so fun fact, he is the only adult that ever actually appears like full frame other than some hands here and there. Uh but yeah, at the very end, he's he's just such a jerk to Eddie, which is terrible. But I mean, it yeah. also explains why Eddie's such a jerk to everybody else. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, like he like the thing is, he thinks his brother's the coolest person in the world, right. and so he wants to be exactly like him. Um, but yeah, no, I I I like I love that character aspect. But as far as like favorite episode goes, um. Uh, there's two that always stick out in my brain. It is the the one that is like life is full of many holes and boy, like it's that episode. Yeah. It's like I think it, I think it's called like the Ed's break reality or something. Uh, 
And then the other is the one where they turn Jimmy into a sumo wrestler. Uh, oh, I forgot. And I remember that, that explicitly because the sound effect of Jimmy, whenever he'd like gut bust someone like with the, as a sumo wrestler, just is still stuck in my brain to this day. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> is that when they, is that when they like, uh, like hypnotize him or something? No, what the, what it is is I think they just convince him that he's going to be like popular and strong and everyone's going to love him because people love sumo wrestlers and the entire time it's a scheme by Eddie to try and make money off of him becoming a sumo wrestler. Guys, I really think Jimmy had a crush on Sarah and Sarah didn't reciprocate it because I also remember Sarah having a crush on Double D yep. and there being a love yep. triangle there. I think it was I think what you're thinking of was cuz it was never one of those things where it was like explicitly shown as like a romance no, thing. No. No. It it was one of it those was, things where like Jimmy was like that's my friend. Yeah. You're not going to take her away from me. Yeah, um, that might be it. Maybe it was just yeah. the vibe. Yeah. So, I completely forgot that Sarah had a crush on Double D though. That yeah. Hilarious. <laughs> it was pretty bad. So, do you know where Jimmy got his headgear from? No, it's just like a, like a well, he had buck teeth, didn't he? So apparently, according to um, the show run or the show writers, right? He uh, it, he got it because of a scheme gone wrong, where <laughs> they gave him not like a real jawbreaker, and it screwed up his teeth. <laughs> Oh, that's right. Oh, my gosh. Really? I remember this now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, God. It's like, it's one of those things where it makes you feel so bad for him. And I'm like, and Jimmy's still too nice to the uh, to Eddie for that. I was like, I would be livid. Well, isn't the whole thing with, like, his relationship with the Eds is that he's going to tell on them to Sarah? Yes. And because it's one of those things, like, Ed might be the strongest character in the show, but he's probably actually second strongest to Sarah. <laughs> yeah, I mean they come from the same loins, so yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they, they both have ridiculous strength. The amount of times that she or that Sarah's just beat up on Eddie, I bet you is a lot. Because oh, yeah, <laughs> I mean they went like full on like showing that looked like she had like rabies or something, just going nuts. Larry, <laughs> she's snarling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, so th those are, those are the two episodes that stick out to me the most. For sure. By the way, the the amount that they sexualize Naz is kind of creepy. It's oh, gross. Yeah. Yeah. And I I was like, you don't really know it until you get back, and you're like, whoa. <laughs> it's one of those things. It's not like explicitly sexualizing. No. It's like the insinuation of sexualization, yeah. and that's where it's just kind of like. Uh, I understand what you're going for, but this just feels a little over the top. <laughs> I don't. Yeah. Straight to jail. <laughs> um, I honestly, I don't know if a show like this could ever be re like written and like come out today. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? No, absolutely not. I mean, like, well, actually, I don't know. Um, because even now I'm like thinking back to like a lot of the jokes and stuff that were on shows that came immediately after this, like, like chowder or uh um adventure time uh like a lot of those were like definitely not as like over overhanded um or heavy-handed with yeah. it but 
even even to that aspect, kind of like what you said earlier, like Ed and Eddie can a lot of times have like a Ren and Stimpy kind of vibe. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but even in comparison to Ren and Stimpy, Ed, Ed and Eddie is tame as can be. I think uh, it could. And I think the reason why is because this show always uh, made sure to let you know these guys were bad. They're assholes and they never get what they want. Um, so they were never like, these are the cool kids. You should be like them. It's like, look, they don't win. <laughs> These guys are jerks. They're, you know, misogynistic. They're greedy. They're selfish. And they don't win. You know? Mostly yeah. I'm talking about Eddie. Because, Eddie, yeah. <laughs> because he's the leader of the three, but... Because he ropes Double D, and Ed just follows along because he's Ed. <laughs> but, uh, because every time there's a scheme, um, it's something like that. But... So the episode where they um, are go to a sprinkler party in the backyard, mm-hmm. and they wear a bathing suit that are like way too small. That oh e- yeah, that episode was inspired by Danny Antonucci and his life of actually living through something like that, where his bathing suit was too small and he got super embarrassed and <laughs> wrote it to life on there. It's a uh, there's a couple stories like that where it's just like stuff that he directly pulled from his life, but yeah. Um, I feel like I feel like you could talk about like scenes from any episode ever of Ed, Ed, and Eddie, and you'll just immediately get from me like a reaction of like, "Oh my god, yeah!" <laughs> There's a lot of them. Can I hit uh, yeah. another one, Michael? Do it. Do you remember the uh, inside of uh, Double D's bedroom? Everything being labeled with post-it notes, and yep. just being super specific <laughs> about where everything went. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember that one. That also was from Danny Antonucci's life. So his parents would leave post-it notes throughout the apartment to talk to him. (laughs) I hate that so much. (laughs) But I remember that. I think it was Rolf. His family kept plastic wrap on all the furniture. Had the old-timey TV with the the little, like, turn knob selectors for the channels. It's like... It's weird how much of this show that I think we all still remember. But I think that is also attributed to the fact that like when we were in elementary school, uh, when the show was on, it was on for two hours at the like after school prime time time slot uh, for everyone. And so it's one of those things. First thing you do, come home from school, turn the TV on. It's always set to Cartoon Network. And it's just cool. You're watching Ed, Ed, and Eddie for a few hours, and you're having a great time. I used to have to hide the fact that I was watching Cartoon Network with my parents. So back back in the day, they and I think they still do this. They have the little Cartoon Network symbol in the bottom right hand corner. Yeah, I'd I had I had jerry rigged something up where um, it like a coaster had covered it. <laughs> so that I, my mom, and she was like, she, she, it, she played through, and it never happened, and I, and I was able to watch it, but she realized one day because it was, it changed corners. Oh, yeah, <laughs> they moved it from bottom right up to top left. Yeah. What? When did that happen? Uh, that was like, oh god, that was like early, like like two thousand seven ish, like two thousand six, two thousand seven ish. I think Gosh, I don't remember that at all. Yeah. I just remember it being in the bottom corner. Yeah. What they, Cartoon they, Network logo do you guys remember? Uh, Mine's the I, full black and white Cartoon yeah, Network. Yeah, I remember that one, but I also remember when they first switched it over to the, the CN. Mm-hmm. 
just the season. Yeah, and that was right near the end of my Cartoon Network watching watching days, except for obviously Adult Swim. Yeah, still stayed on. Uh, whenever I was trying to go to sleep at night, watching uh Family Guy, Adventure, uh, Futurama, uh, Futurama, uh, and uh, oh god, what was some of the other shows? There was uh, we could do an entire Hyper Team. Yeah. Oh yes, we could. Oh god, that's a great idea. Well, Michael has it now. Yep. (laughs) There you go. But yeah, I mean, it's it was that time in television where kids shows were just mature enough that everybody still found them entertaining. Like that era where you didn't watch a kid's cartoon and go, well, this is stupid. Like you would watch it and it'd be engaging for Mm -hmm. no matter what age. That's why there's still like rewatchability with it. Like you could easily sit me down. I would watch season after season of that. That is a a point I was going to get to here soon. Um, but the thing was, my dad and I, so there was like, I think new episodes would come out on Fridays. So we'd go to the, uh, we'd go to town to get food and we'd come back and then we'd watch Ed, Ed, and Eddie until like, I don't know, until the episode was over. And then we'd switch over to the, the robot battles on Discover or whatever it was at the time. But, oh yeah, yeah. I think that was Discover. BattleBots. Yeah. yeah battle. Yeah. yeah. So <clears throat> that being said, my dad was definitely the one that pushed me to watch the show because he liked it as just as much as I did. So, and I don't think, well, besides the Simpsons, I guess the Simpsons were adult cartoons at that time. I always went to bed before the Simpsons because I was a good little boy. Good little just boy. Just kidding. I would go upstairs and watch Adult Swim <laughs> in my room. Um, yeah, we're gonna a staple of our childhood. Weird. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and I I do distinctly remember too. Like my dad, like also would sit and watch Ed Ed and Eddie with me. Like it was like uh, I remember not being very good at whistling, and my dad is an incredible whistler. And so every once in a while we'd be like in Kroger walking down the aisles or something, and he'd just break out, break it out. Nice. And it would always be like, yeah. <laughs> That's Danny Antonucci, by the way, doing the whistles. Seriously. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Talented motherfucker. I, dude, he's he's a crazy guy. So uh, a lot of this stuff, it just kills me that he's a uh, he's super talented. And that and this is the only show he ever like actually like did. It's like you could have done a lot more. You, you, I mean, yeah, because that was like like you were talking about earlier. This was like his one big show that he really had like full control over. Like, yep. Um, like he, like you said, he had cartoon sushi, but I don't really remember anything about cartoon sushi. I don't either. Yeah. He's got a very obscure art form. And I like, and the way his, like his, I guess his taste in general, I like, if you've ever like watched Luca the Butcher, it's pretty messed up. Yeah. It's pretty dark. So yeah, it is. And I was like, so he goes from this dark kind of like format and then brings it into a comedy for a kid's show. Which he did, by the way, on a dare. <laughs> Love it. And he, uh, <laughs> the characters, he created the sketch, or he created it, like, while he was at a coffee shop or something, and then fully sketched it, the, like, the next day of all three characters. So, Ed, Ed, and Eddie. Incredible. Yeah, dude, he's super talented. But, <clears throat> that being said, there is a, another thing that I wanted to talk about. So, I don't know if you guys get into fan theories slash lore very much. Uh, but there, Absolutely. <laughs> there is, and I don't know if you've heard this one. This one's a pretty big one. Um, but I want to get to the first one, which is um, what's under 
theories, right? Yeah. What's okay. under Double D's hat? Oh. Oh yeah. Uh, I. I remember having theories when I was a kid and be like. He's a smart one, so it's just got to be like his brain exposed or something. See, that's the most common one I've heard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, like, I, I think there is like something in an episode where that comes up. Sarah and, like, someone under makes... his hat at one point, <laughs> and she didn't freak out. So I don't know if it's a brain. It's a hard. Yeah. Out. I don't know. It's. I think he's probably just got like dandruff or something. It's a kid show. He's just self conscious. So there. So the one I've heard the most one was the one you talked about, where somebody thinks it's his brain. Uh, there's like a slew of other ones that I can't remember right now. But there is an, uh, a frame where he actually doesn't have his hat on, and he just has a few hairs. Yeah, just some hair. <laughs> oh, buddy. Just like Ed. <laughs> or just like Eddie, right? Eddie. Except Eddie's Eddie not ashamed of himself. Three, three hairs. Yeah. <laughs> At some points, it's like one. <laughs> somebody rips his hair out. Um... But yeah, man, that's that was crazy by itself because you never know, and then like nobody explicitly says it until I, I watched the video and they literally broke it down showing it. Um, <laughs> but this one, this one is crazy, and this one is like the one I'm about to talk about is like got its whole thing, and everybody's like super into. It. And I even told my dad this, and he was like, "This is crazy." It's I called the. Remember, because I think I know it, but I can't quite put my finger on it. I may chime in once it clicks. Purgatory theory. Oh, they're all in purgatory, and that's why they all look like they come from different decades. Yeah. Yeah. So I do have some information on this. It's it's kind of crazy. So um, the cul-de-sac so, is purgatory theory. I remember this. Yeah. So early 1900s to the 2000s. This would be explained why the year for the show is very hard to pinpoint with multiple. Um, you know, presence. I'm trying to remember which one comes from which. Or John, okay, so the first one is Rolf. Uh, was the first to arrive in the 1900s. Weird to say. <laughs> the theory goes that his family moved uh, to Peach Creek in order to establish a farm on its land. Rolf died in 1903 when his family's farm animals stomped on him and trampled him. This was supposed to be the reason why he only has one cow and one goat and a few pigs and a few chickens. Not enough animals to cause a fatal stamp or stamping in the afterlife. So, the next one to die after him was Johnny Two by Four, your favorite. Um, <laughs> came to the cul-de-sac not too long after Rolf's death. Having no friends, Johnny took a marker and drew a face on a piece of wood, and dubbed it Plank. He died in 1922 after fighting a long battle with tuberculosis six years uh, before the discovery of penicillin. He took his friend Plank with him into the afterlife, and he was the last thing that he saw. Um, Sheesh. Eddie came next. He was born in New York, but eventually moved to Peach Creek during the Great Depression era, always trying to get a quick buck. He's always sets up the scam to get money from the cul-de-sac kids in an effort to escape from poverty. He spent his whole life, uh, which he spent his whole life in. Eddie didn't have a proper father figure since his real father abandoned him. And his mother shortly after he was born. Uh, with this came his big bro. He adored and idolized very much despite the latter abuse in nature. After his scam went awry, Eddie was chased into a, or chased by the swindled children of the cul-de-sac and ran away uh, and jumped at a lake where he ended up drowning. 
So also, just yeah, right. so the the tongue. So the different types of tongues were also explained in this. Like that they're blue and like you know I guess like the thing is that if their tongues were blue, like somebody's dead. So Danny Antonucci chimed back with this and was like, um, actually no. So it's supposed to be the different flavors of like the jawbreakers and stuff because the kids are always eating jawbreakers. No, they never eat. Well, Ed, Ed, and Eddie never eat jawbreakers. So I remember them. I remember them getting them once, once in the entire show. And they actually got to eat them, or did they yeah. roll down a hill? Because I remember an episode where they got them. And oh they rolled shoot! Down yeah. a hill. I think you're right. They did not get to actually enjoy them. Did you? Okay, so there's an episode where that jawbreaker bank is right. Mm-hmm. So in that frame is um, Chernobyl, and the jawbreakers are green. What? Yeah. If you look up a picture, it's crazy. Oh, I hate that. <laughs> That's too too real. I don't like that. So here's the next ones to die. So Naz and or not Naz. So Ed and Sarah were the next to arrive to the cul-de-sac. Their father died fighting in World War II. As a result, their mother became distraught, uh, disconnected. To cope, Sarah developed her bossy attitude trying to fill in the parental role. Um Again for their parent or for their mother, um, Ed shut down, uh, shut the world out, and developed a fantasy world out of his comics. Monsters, you know how he's an addiction to his monsters. Oh, yeah. yeah, there's Edzilla. Edzilla, man. So if you look up like the characters uh, for Ed, Ed, and Eddie, Edzilla is the background for Eddie or for Ed. Incredible. Edzilla. <laughs> Edzilla, dude, when he went up that tree. <laughs> or was like around the treehouse or whatever. Yeah. And the oh, monster. Yeah. That was crazy. <laughs> and he stuck the, the what kills me is like I remember be disgusted. One disgusted about Ed's room in general. But the amount of like he literally stuck him to the wall with cereal. <laughs> the one of the things that I remember is uh the scene of him uh just like in like a like a like like a snake just eating in one large bite, uh, consuming his entire bed. Yes. And just becoming the shape of his bed. <laughs> what was that toy? Do you remember the wind-up toy that, like, ate his bed? That guy's mattress budget had to be crazy because, like, his beds were being destroyed or eaten, like, every episode. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> so, by the way, so they die in a freak car accident, both of them together. Oh. Okay. <laughs> So, Naz was born in the hippie era, noting that, like, her hippie kind of laid-back style, right? Um, so, she was a flower child, um, and then in the summer of 90, or 79, a serial killer escaped from a local asylum and made his way to her house, um, and then she was fatally killed. There's no evidence of this. I know. That's There's to see no these evidence of their causes of death. They're just coming up with gruesome ways to kill these children. Oh, I know. Um, Double D was born in the 70s, preparing to attend college from a young age, became a social, uh, so again, social outcast. He had died as a result from a gas leak caused from an explosion from a Bunsen burner from his chemistry set. Yeah, why not? <laughs> why, not, why not that's the way he died why not i see no reason so <clears throat> kevin died uh from the x or so he was uh popular x games in 1995 
He died on his way to the hospital. I guess basically getting hurt from bike wreck. Okay. <laughs> Jimmy uh, was born in the 1990s. Jimmy eventually got... Oh, he so basically died of another... So Jimmy died of an illness. And then the Kinker sisters were uh, different from the other neighborhood children. It's believed that they were actual demons that were sent to the cul-de-sac to torture the souls who... Uh, yeah, basically, who, who didn't go to heaven. So, like, this this theory, man... Crazy. Thoughts? No, that's nuts. All of that's yeah. crazy. It's reaching, isn't it? It's oh, reaching a lot. because there's no solid evidence for anything anyone's saying. They're just saying stuff. That's like going, I think that um, Teletubbies is about what happens inside of the womb because there's a baby in the sun and also because fucking they eat tubby custard i don't know it doesn't make any sense it doesn't have to because this theory's dumb well it was one of those things where like for a while it was super a super popular thing to try and attribute like these horrible awful backstories oh to yeah cartoons. like that was something that very commonly happened but then he just got like freaking adventure time coming around and it's being like Okay, actually, like our entire like whimsical fantasy world uh, yeah. is oh, actually set in the back. Oh, it's post-apocalyptic, believe it or not. Yeah, it's post-apocalyptic, ah. and we're gonna actually dive into uh, the mushroom war, which is actually just synonymous for uh, just full-on nuclear explosions in wartime. As a treat. As a treat. I thought you guys were gonna go into the fact that it's actually uh, he's in a coma and that his best friend is a dog and that's laying beside him. He's actually yeah. in a coma. Yeah, that's, that's a, that, well, that's. That's one of those fan theories, but I feel like Adventure Time does. I thought they approved. Like I thought they no, actually. No, 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 no. Okay. Adventure Time explicitly is like, like this is a post-apocalyptic. Everything that happens in this this show is because there was a giant nuclear war. In the past, yeah, it's like that's where you get like Marceline was a vampire before yeah. the war. The Ice King was a scientist investigating the crown who wore it too much. You never get it's this like, shit about like SpongeBob or like fairly no. odd parents. But you totally <laughs> no. get for everything that came out Cards of Cartoon Network at that yeah. time. Like oh, yeah. um codename Kids Next Door is a very similar theory where it's like these are all like kids of abuse who have to escape their house so they come up with a, you know, different world where they have control over the adults and so on and so forth, and they're constantly raging war against adults and like stuff like that. Like, well, I think I think what it is is like so many show. of these Cartoon Network shows have so many dark elements to them. They do. Right. Like, uh, I'm trying. Like, Chowder is another one. Um, there was the oh god, I can't remember the name, but uh, one where it's all about like eating candy. Uh, oh, Flapjack's like, Marvelous Flapjack. Adventure. Flapjack. Yeah, like Flapjack is another. That's, one that's really dark. dark. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's just like car- I feel like it was Cartoon Network really just like. Pushing a bunch of shows that had these similar themes. Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends. Yeah. Yeah. That one had, yeah. Also depressing. Um. Anyway, back to... Basically, <laughs> the gist is, every show on Cartoon Network has one of these weird theories, and the community of people who make them are incredible writers, and just the way they logic things out is impressive, but there's a step past where you're like, whoa, mind blown, to where you get to like... And it's right around when the facts don't support the physical material. Um, I think there's definitely some there. Like, when you talk about Rolf, you're like, okay, I see what you did there. And, like, even talking about, like, Eddie or Kevin, you can, like, kind of make those connections. 
but then it's just like, oh yeah, and uh, Naz was from the 70s because she's super cool, and also she was murdered by a child serial killer. And you're like, what? <laughs> how did you... How, how does did that you make get, any sense? You came, up, you came up with that because she's the only one who was like, oh, right on, man. Yeah, she said, <laughs> right on, man. And you were like, oh, she's clearly, you know a pothead or something yeah like, clearly she's a hippie <laughs> clearly and like not just oh, like a obviously. modern day hippie but like from the seven like from the 60s hippie you know how double d's so smart yeah that's because he was getting ready to go to college when he got killed by a baseball bat flew out <laughs> from a from a guy who hit a home run broke his bat right in half stab him right through the eye that's what happened swear to god <laughs> so i actually did uh in the meantime i found a thing that was one of the original writers of that Ed Nettie kit who wrote the backstory? Oh, take your time. I'll edit that yeah. out. Don't worry. <laughs> I actually went back and looked at uh, at a little post on uh, that I found on Deviant Art from one of the original like writers and cartoonists for Ed Ed and Eddie, and uh, they actually came up with the backstory for what is under Double D's hat. Oh. Um, oh, really? Yeah. So there's actual so, legitimate like there we go. There's a legitimate answer. Uh, it was never shown in the show though. Uh, I'll just read it in full. Uh, in Ed's old school, other students mercilessly targeted him in dodgeball, and after too many hits to the head, as he put it, he designed a dodgeball shooting cannon to retaliate. Uh, the resulting injuries to all of his classmates scarred him so much that any abuse he'd receive, like to his own person, was just over the top. Um, and is what spawned his like ultimate pacifism. And what he uses to remind himself is he keeps a picture of him as a little child in handcuffs in front of a bunch of microphones of from him apologizing to all of uh wow. his his classmates wow that's yeah. dark wow <laughs> that's dark. yeah <clears throat> that, that now i understand the pacifism so <clears throat> let me just wrap up with my favorite episode and we can kind of go into the conclusion and then pass it over back to Alex. So, the uh, my favorite episode is the Christmas special, which apparently you can't get on HBO. By the way, HBO Max. Oh, is that like the one that you can't? Yeah. So you have like you can go watch it on YouTube for free. It literally, it's in a mix, and it'll just go down the episodes or just go down the scenes um, for free. Casual YouTube piracy. Oh yeah, I love it. <laughs> or you can go to Hulu and pay fifty dollars a month <clears throat> for the live version to be able to see it. So that was my side note on that. But anyways, it's the Christmas episode. It's season four, episode 21, if you guys want to check it out. Uh, this is my favorite episode. So this follows Eddie as uh, he breaks into the attic to find his Christmas presents. That being said, they're all closed. He gets very frustrated about that and proceeds to have uh, the idea that somebody's going to adopt him and he'll get their presents uh, from one of the kids in the cul-de-sac so basically follows him around as he's doing that so this is where i was talking about earlier where johnny uh his house was literally ice <laughs> yeah and so he goes to i'm trying to remember he goes to ralph he and then ralph's like got this like weird tradition and holiday about meats and hams and he breaks out into this song about some guy and that he gives them meat and hams and all this other type of stuff but ultimately weirdly super <laughs> nostalgic for me <laughs> dude it's it's a great episode um so then ralph kicks out eddie 
And so he continues to go to different places. Um, I think he goes to next is Naz after he's gone to Johnny and uh, Ralph. He goes to Naz's, and Naz was like giving him everything he wants. He's like, I think we have, we, I think we have a, f- a few presents for you, man. And like, there's here's eggnog and take a sip. And like, he opens the door, and like, this is the overtly sexual thing I was talking about earlier. And he's like sitting there shaking, like with the uh, eggnog in his hand. And she was like, hey, here's mistletoe or whatever. You, do you know, Eddie, what you do with under mistletoe? And he spits out his eggnog, and she kicks him out of the house because she gets spritzed with eggnog. <laughs> yeah, I mean, everyone knows, like, any mysterious white substance in cartoons is an analogy for something. <laughs> Why adult men be like this? I don't know. <laughs> so, in, in the meantime, so the Kanker sisters... Um, this is kind of the B plot part of it, and they kind of converge at the end. So, the Kanker sisters um, have these th- three wise men hats, right? They all have crowns, and um, they go on this like adventure following. At the beginning of this, Eddie put his flashlight, uh, hit a mirror, and then it made kind of like a North Star out in the sky. Cartoon logic, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, they're following the North Star, and they pick up uh, Frank's and scents, and fur, like a fur coat, and I'm trying to remember what the third item was, but it was just like, uh, basically a ripoff of the uh, Three Wise Men story. Um, So Eddie goes along, goes to Kevin's house, goes to Jimmy's house, gets kicked out of Jimmy's house uh, by Sarah, gotta love that again, and then goes to Kevin's house as like a latched resort, and by the way, if you guys haven't watched this show, you should definitely watch it. Kevin does not like them at all and continues throughout the show to not like them. So this was the last-ditch uh, last effort by Eddie. So Kevin gives him a box, and Eddie opens it up eagerly, like, oh my gosh, present. He gets a knuckle sandwich by Kevin. <laughs> Cartoon logic. Um, so Eddie gets knocked literally out of his shoes and wanders around in a cold. He ends up stumbling over to a tree in the middle of a park um that's got this it's got one light bulb missing or broken and you can tell that and eddie digs into his pocket pulls out one light bulb puts it in there right and it lights up this tree and it's like bright and all the kids from the cul-de-sac come around and here comes double d and an angel costume and then um ed is in a a shepherd's shepherd's costume right and then all of a sudden santa drops down a big old sack full of presents and then like flies off right eddie not learning from anything takes off with the presents and runs away and puts himself in rolf's bar so this is where the the manger scene comes in right this is the last part here so uh they have an ensuing fight and ed and eddie keep fighting over the the presents or whatnot because ed wants to give them back because he's a huge fan of santa they end up Throw it, he, uh, Ed ends up throwing the, the package or the bag out of the roof and it lands next to the kids. The kids get a good Christmas and they get all their presents, right? And Double D is literally hanging from the ceiling in an angel costume. And Eddie is in the trough. And um, Ed is sitting there with his cane next to the uh, next to a sheep or a cow or whatnot. And in come the Canker Sisters. And they're like, we bring Franks and Scents 
and fur. And I was like, this is a crazy way to end this. Um, but then they end up closing the door and it says, don't open until next Christmas. <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh. And the, one of the last lines I heard from the Canker Sisters, I was just shaking my head. It's like, we're going to kiss you. We're, uh, we're going to kiss you and not on the cheeks. <laughs> yep. Go back to the, the good old Holy Schmoly 9000. Uh, <sighs> I don't like that. I know, it's awful. I don't like that at all. Crazy, crazy episode. But I, I remember as a kid, those were like one of the episodes that stuck out the most. But yeah, I mean, it was stuff like that that was like, hey, Christmas is here. You know? I know. And it was like at the same time, they would run those weird like commercials on Cartoon Network where it was all the cartoon characters coming together to sing like a Christmas carol. Yep. And you'd be like, it's Christmas. <laughs> Missed those days. But that's what I was, I was kind of getting to in the conclusion here. This show gave me a lot of nostalgia for all the good memories of watching the show with my dad and just growing up with the, the coming home from school and watching it, you know, the art style that it, and this, uh, you know, the art show that brought this show alive, um, as well as, you know, it's not been really matched by other cartoons out there today. It's one of the last hand-drawn cartoons, like I said, but it still lives up to all the other animation styles out there. The hint of adult humor still makes it enjoyable to watch even today. And like I said, if you haven't watched this uh, show yet, I do highly recommend it. And that, again, thank you guys, Michael and Alex, for both letting me talk about Ed, Ed and Eddie today. And entertain this. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, man. What a cool episode on a topic we had not thought of, uh, which is super cool to know that there's still even topics out there. But you like came to us last week with like this big-ass list of topics, and we were like, geez. You're like, have you covered any of these? We're like, no. It was a lot, man. Super long list. It was awesome. Um, Let's get into a quick this after this short musical break. And we're back. It's weird that, like, when I do quick thises, I have to, like, say, hey, Alex, do you have a quick this for us? And I have to say, yes, Alex, I do have a quick this. Which I do, of course, have a quick this, because I told you I would last week. Um, and you know exactly what it's going to be. Anyway, let's get the timer up and going. I don't know if it's going to take a full five minutes, but, heck, we could try. Ready, set, go. Boom. So this week, as you may have guessed, I'm going to talk about the banned, quote-unquote, episodes of Always Sunny in Philadelphia. A sort of sequel conversation to uh, what we talked about last week. And... It's not going to surprise you that in a show about terrible people, sometimes they cross the line to the point where they were no longer able to air those episodes. We're going to get into that today. Let's start with season four, episode three, called America's Next Top Patty's Billboard Model Contest. In this episode, Charlie accidentally makes Dee internet famous by publishing her private video diaries on YouTube. When Dee discovers her newfound fame, she tries to milk it by posting skits of her many racist characters in hopes that saturday night live will pick her up one of those characters include uh martina martinez d is basically wearing a curly black haired wig and very tan makeup and in this episode she describes her character as uh her name's martina martinez and she is a streetwise puerto rican girl who's always quick and uh who's always quick with a sassy comeback 
So that's where we're starting. All right. <laughs> All right. That's a good start. Yeah. Uh, another one of these racist characters makes a debut in this episode. Taiwan Tammy. I don't really feel like I have to <laughs> get into yeah. who she is, but I will say D is in a straight black wig with large fake teeth. So great. Um, however, the show does recognize how bad this is, and even Charlie and D, uh, even Charlie, the dumbest character of all, admits D's characters are extremely racist. So, at least they're self-aware. <laughs> does that make up for it? I don't know. It still got canceled. Anyway, or it got banned, rather. The show's still going. The next episode is Season 6, Episode 9, D. Reynolds, Shaping America's Youth. Uh, in D. Reynolds, Shaping America's Youth, the episode is basically where the gang is uh, introduced to a blackface character in their fan film right. yeah, of popular <laughs> Lethal Weapon films. Um, they basically make Lethal Weapon 5. Uh, in the film, Mac wears blackface to portray uh, Roger Murtaugh's character, originally played by Danny Glover. Uh, so there's that. Uh, Frank portrays an evil villain who is a Native American casino owner. Um, the gang sort of discuss whether or not they should do reshoots to eliminate the use of Mac's uh, blackface, but they ultimately don't. Um, Dennis tells Mac, I seriously regret switching parts with you halfway through um, and letting you play Murtaugh in blackface. I feel like that was in poor taste in retrospect. So again, they're at least being self-aware about it. <laughs> um, I will say, however, Mac disagrees, saying, I think it was in poor taste that you were doing Murtaugh in whiteface. So <laughs> uh, the next episode we're going to talk about is season eight, episode two, The Gang Recycles Their Trash. Uh, in this one, we see jokes used in previous episodes. This includes a nod to Dee's racist characters, making it another episode that got dropped um, during a scene where she wears much darker makeup on her face and wears pads to make her breasts and butt look more curvious, um, she basically inflames racial tension, uh, and points out that, uh, most sanitation workers are either black or Latino. Um, so great. <laughs> Yay. It's always, love it. it's always... D in every single one of them it in the lethal weapon ones there's a lot of blackface because they keep you know playing the part of mm -hmm. uh Murdot, but it's always D who's like doing it repeatedly for no reason <laughs> I'm not trying to justify any of it no <laughs> but that's what's happening the joke is though they are terrible people and that's why they don't yeah. see a problem with this uh let me speed run through two more Episode nine or season nine, episode nine, the gang makes Lethal Weapon six. You can kind of assume why that one got canceled. Guess what? They're using blackface again. Woohoo! Okay, <laughs> season fourteen, episode three is called D Day, and D Day D is in charge of what the gang does for a day. Um, if they don't do everything she wants, she will tag on another day, giving the boys incentive to do what she wants. Uh, this episode was banned because D brought back again all of her racist characters banned from all episodes past. <laughs> she forces Frank to play Martina Martinez, which means Frank's character is forced to wear brown face makeup. Um, meanwhile, Mac is forced to play Taiwan Tammy, uh, an Asian woman who owns a massage bar. Of course, this is an example of yellow face with a costume consisting of cartoonishly large teeth and a black wig. 
Um, it's always D. That's what we have to get down to. The reason why these keep getting banned is because D is racist, her character, and they don't shy away from telling you that. The good news is how this show always sort of loops or tiptoes around these, you know, terrible acts is by saying, no, it's a part of the joke. It's We're self-aware. We know it's terrible. The reason we're doing it is because these are bad people. Like, it is a joke within a joke. At least that's how they explain it. If you're not cool with it, I totally understand that too. And it is an accurate and fair perception of the situation. Anyway, those are the episodes of Always Sunny in Philadelphia that got canceled. Thank you for listening to my quick this. Absolutely. Woo! Another episode down in the books. It's 125. Can you even believe it? Guys, I, I, I was going to kind of hold off, but I'll say this now. We finally got an email someone suggesting something that we should talk about, and it's, like, real. Wow, okay. Which is, like, nice. huge. And shout out to them, but we're going to probably talk about that next month uh, and give them a, a shout out. Um, or maybe we'll ask them onto the show since they're the first person ever to <laughs> suggest anything. <laughs> when they, in their email, they said, or have me on to talk about it, which also is fine. Um, so maybe we'll do that. I don't know. Shout out to you if you're listening. You know who you are. Um, because you're the only one who's ever done it. <laughs> Kudos, anyway, man. If you want to be the next person uh, to give us a suggestion on something that we should cover here, because, of course, we are a podcast encapsulating all things entertainment, and, you know, we haven't done that yet. Uh, there are a couple of different ways that you can do it. The first and easiest way is to go to our website, www.entertainthis.com. Mm, is it dot net oh my god i'm blanking entertain this dot net slash et dash podcast and scroll all the way to the bottom and that's it if it's not google entertain this and don't click on the one with the exclamation point or you can find us on twitter <laughs> we are entertain underscore this on instagram we are entertain this podcast on facebook we are podcast entertain this and as always entertain us so we can entertain you and you can entertain this we'll see you guys next friday bye bye this episode was written by patrick frazier with additional commentary by alex Steele and michael savoya our showrunner and resident fact checker is chloe price our theme music is rush bubble by aaron spencer with interstitial music by djw tune in every friday for new episodes and thanks for listening